Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Roney. Today is January 11th, 2023, and the 18th day of the Hebrew month of Tevet. And today we are starting a new book in the Torah, uh, the book of Shemot, of Exodus, the story of the enslavement in Egypt and the exodus from Egypt, the story of Jewish liberation. Like every single story in the Torah, this is a prototype. It's a prototype of our own lives. Each one of us goes into a Mitzrayim, an Egypt of their own, and each one of us throughout our lifetime is liberated from that Egypt. But also in each year, each year has challenges of its own. And as we read the Torah portions, we experience the same kinds of experiences. This year, like every year, has its own Egypt, its own Mitzrayim. The word for Egypt in Hebrew, Mitzrayim, is closely related to the word Mitzrayim, which are limitations. Each one of us feels enslaved in his or her own limitations. Places where we feel lacking, places where we feel hardship. We all have hard work, um enslavement that we experience. Every time we feel we are in a hardship, in a place of narrowness, we feel pain and difficulty. And the worst thing is that we can't free ourselves from that because all of our difficulties stem from our own thinking patterns, things that limit our vision. That's exactly the Mitzrayim, it's narrowness. We don't see the full picture. We're not connected to um, holistic vision, we're somehow narrowed, boundaried, and in those boundaries, we do not have the freedom to move, the freedom to change, the freedom to go on, and this is the place of greatest pain and um, difficulty for us. This is the place we all feel enslaved, and each and single one of us is chained to a certain type of thinking, a certain outlook on the world. Um, a certain energy, and unfortunately we project it into the world, and that resonates for us in every kind of difficulty. But the big story of the book of Shemot, of Exodus, the big story of Judaism is that we also have the ability to free ourselves from those chains, from that enslavement, from those boundaries. We all have the ability to liberate ourselves. And every year, we go through another phase of liberation. Passover, which is the holiday on which we celebrate the um, exodus from Egypt, the liberation from Egypt, is the cornerstone of Jewish existence. Every single day, we are commanded to remember the enslavement in Egypt, but also the exodus from Egypt, because every single day we're commanded to remember that whatever the boundaries, whatever the narrow places, whatever the pains that we're experiencing, we also have the ability to leave those places and liberate ourselves. And as we read the book of Shemot, which is really all about the enslavement in Egypt, but also the exodus from Egypt, it's not accidental. 
that the book is called Shmot, or Names. And later on in the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, the book starts and ends with the Jewish people being counted. And I'll say just say that the Jewish people were counted because God has a special love for the Jewish people. So just like when a person has precious stones and he sits with them and he plays with them and he looks at them and he checks them out to make sure that they're all there and he counts them. So just like that, God wanted to count the Jewish people when they came out of Egypt, but then later on before they went into the land of Israel. And that name, Numbers, really represents God's love for Israel. But the same happens with this book, with the book of Shemot. As the Jewish people go down into the land of Egypt from Israel, their names are recounted. And God constantly keeps check of every single name. When you call somebody by name, that's a way of expressing your love for them. Names are also our essences. It is said that when a Jewish couple gives a name to their child, they experience a type of prophecy. And they give the child the kind of name that reflects that child's essence, that child's job in the world, that child's mission. So the name of something in the Hebrew language actually represents that person's or that object's mission. More than that, in the book of the Tanya, it is explained that the name is the building block. The letters of the name are the building blocks for the energy that creates this or that object. Um, it is said that God created the world with letters. The letters are the building blocks of the world. Each letter has a specific energy, and with that energy, the world is created, and every object is created through its name. I think the best way to understand it is for all of us who learned chemistry in high school, or some of us who learned it later in college, we know that every single element in the world has a letter. And when you see that letter and you know enough chemistry, so you know the element that is signed by that letter has certain properties. And when those letters are mixed and those elements are mixed, certain things happen. So the same happens here. Every letter of the Hebrew alphabet has its own energy. And when the letters are matched in certain patterns, that creates different kinds of um, energies, but also different kinds of objects. And every single object in the world is created via the letters of its name. And the same goes for people. Every name is made out of letters, and the letters contribute the energy of that person, the makeup of that person. And very often, when people experience extreme hardship or extreme illness, their names are changed sometimes, or new names are added, because changing or adding a name creates a different kind of energy and a different kind of mission for that person. So when we talk about names of the Jewish people going down, it's important to understand that it's not only the people going down, but this whole energy of the Jewish people, each one with his own makeup and mission, all of that goes down into Egypt. But there's more to that, and this is actually the central theme of today's episode that I would like to discuss. <clears throat> when you call somebody by name, what that means is you see them. Over the past several weeks, I've 
heard a lot of talks and I've been thinking a lot about the fact that one of the deepest pains that we experience is the pain of not being seen. As children, very often we cry or we hurt or we want something, but our parents just want us to get on with the program. Our parents sometimes are harried, they have a lot to do, they have a lot on their mind, so they don't quite see the child and they don't quite see the pain. It takes a lot of uh, investment of time and, and attention to actually see the child in front of you and not be concerned with your own things, with your own agenda. And sometimes those pains, those issues that children have, you know, they're small and childish, and we tend to disregard them, but for the child, they're very real. So being seen is something that doesn't happen to us when we're children very often, unless we have parents who are very plugged in and, and mindful of that. And as we go through the world, we're not really seen by many people. And I think when we talk about people-pleasing and we talk about wanting people to like us, what we really, really want down, 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 <laughs> deep inside, is to be seen and to be acknowledged. And I think that's a pain that a lot of people feel when they're not acknowledged, when they're not seen, when they're not felt. We talk about some people being transparent. The transparent people are the service providers, the cashiers, the bus drivers, the servers, people we don't notice, we don't see. You know, it's very easy to actually make a difference in the lives of people who are treated as transparent by the world. All it takes is really an acknowledgement, a smile, a thank you, some eye contact to make people feel seen and noticed. When I stand in the line in supermarket or in a store, um, you know, it it's time wasted, so it's um, only natural to stow and go to your, to your phone. But I actually try to make a point not to use my phone when I'm being served by cashier, for example, in a store. So they don't feel transparent, but to have some interaction and say thank you and acknowledge the person. And there's actually a beautiful story about a group of shochtim. These are people that um, perform ritual slaughter. They um, slaughter animals for consumption. So usually there's a group of Israeli shochtim that go to South America, to either Argentina or Brazil, because there are large herds there, and then they um, make an order of beef to be sent to Israel. So there's a group of these people, Israelis, that came to Brazil, and uh, one day one of the security guards came over to the owner of the facility and said, I think there's something wrong with one of the Israelis that's in the group. And the owner said, what do you mean? I, I think he's stuck inside. He's, he didn't come out at the end of the day. And the owner says, why do you think that? He says, trust me, I, I just know there's one of the people that went in and he didn't come out in the evening. So they went in to the um, facility and they have these huge freezers and, you know, they searched around the facility and they opened one of the freezers and sure enough, one of the Israelis was stuck in the freezer um, almost frozen to death. They pulled him out and resuscitated him and brought him back to life because he was very close to being frozen to death. So at the end, they asked this uh, security guard, this local Brazilian security guard, how did you know that this Israeli was inside? So he says, this Israeli says hello to me every single day when he walks in, and he says goodbye to me every single day when he walks out. So he said hello to me in the morning, and he didn't say hello to me 
and he didn't say goodbye to me at the end of the day. So I knew that he didn't come out. And this person's um, being careful of saying hello and acknowledgement in every single person, including the security guard at the entrance to the building, was so precious, apparently, to the security guard. It was something that he noticed. It was something he took for granted. And in the end, it saved this person's life. But I don't think we have to go so far. I think it's minimal uh, cordiality, it's minimal humanity to acknowledge people, to acknowledge people who are treated as transparent by the world. And in the past several years, there's actually a new term that is being used, a term that wasn't used until recently, and it's um, I see you, or I feel so seen. It's not something that we talked about even, I think, five years ago, but today we do. Today we talk about seeing each other. And I think the first person we need to start seeing is ourselves. Because if we see ourselves, then we don't feel the need to be seen by others. But what we do every day in the morning as Jews is actually pray. And as we pray, we bless God for all the things that he's giving us. Because really, God is seeing us. When we see God and we feel seen by God, we don't really need to be seen by other people. We're not dependent on other people's acknowledgement to have our self-worth. It is only when we feel unseen by anybody that we're dependent on that, and then we act out of that dependency, and we're enslaved by that dependency, just like the Jews were enslaved in Egypt. So every single day we acknowledge that God sees us. But there's a very deep teaching in the Hasidic thought that this basic need of people to be seen is actually a reflection of God's need to be seen. Because I think the most transparent being in the world, the one that is least acknowledged by people, is actually God. God creates the world into existence every single second. God orchestrates this world for our being every single second. And yet how many times a day do we actually notice God? How many times do we actually acknowledge God? Yes, our feeling of need to be seen and acknowledged is actually a reflection of God's challenge to us to see and acknowledge Him. Because this is what we really come into the world to do. We come into the world, our mission in the world is to acknowledge God in every single second of our existence. And when we are connected to awareness of God in different situations, we bring God into these banal, everyday routines. We elevate them to the proper place of holiness. And when we don't, when we just take the world at reality, at face value, and we don't acknowledge God in our routines, then we leave them profane, far from God. So our wanting to be seen and acknowledged and is a reflection of God's wanting to be seen and acknowledged. God's challenging us to see and acknowledge him. There is a beautiful story about the Kotzka Rebbe. Uh, he was a Hasidic Rebbe about 150 years ago. And one day the Kotzka was walking down the street and he saw a small boy crying. So he came over to him and said, sweetie, why are you crying? What happened? And the boy said that he was playing hide-and-seek with his friends, and he hid, and his friends didn't come looking for him. So now he's all alone, and he's crying. And the Rebbe uh, calmed him down, but then he looked up and said, God, I know exactly how you feel. I feel like this boy 
you've hidden yourself so well in this world that you expect people to come and look for you in the different situations, but they don't. They don't look up to see you. And your pain must be as deep as the pain of this boy. Unfortunately, the only time we look up and search for God, that we acknowledge God very often, is the time of pain. It's the time of when things go wrong. That's when we start getting angry at God. How could God let this and this happen? But here's a question. Where were you when God was making amazing things happen? Were you saying, oh, this is so beautiful. Thank you, God, for giving me all you're giving to me. Why is it only when bad things start happening, we got angry at God, and when good things are happening, we're not there to acknowledge his benevolence? And there's a beautiful analogy that somebody gave for that, that a person walked up on a big building, on a tall building, and started throwing down dollars. And, and he wanted to see what would happen. So sure enough, people were walking down the street, and all of a sudden, they see dollars falling from the sky. So everybody started picking up dollars, and nobody thought for even a moment to look up and see where those dollars are coming from, and to say thank you to that beloved person throwing down dollars from this building. People were very concentrating on picking up the dollars and getting as many dollars as they can from the payfork. So after seeing that nobody's acknowledging him, that person started throwing stones. And when stones started falling from the building, people started looking up, who is that idiot who is throwing stones from the building? And he says, why is it? Why is it when I was throwing dollars, nobody took the time to look up and acknowledge and say thank you? But as soon as I send you a rock, or you look up to see who is doing that to me. Why is it that we only look up, stop and think what's going on when something bad is happening? Why are we not really there to gratefully see God when he does good things for us, to acknowledge, to say thank you. Actually, as Jews, we come from the tribe of Yehuda. His name comes from the word gratitude. Leah, his mother, is said to be the first person in the, in the Tanakh, in the Bible, to thank God. When her fourth son was born, she said, this time I'm going to thank God, and she called him Yehuda. And the Talmud says that Yehuda's property, his name is thankfulness, thank you, Yehuda, but his special characteristic is acknowledging, which is Hoda'ah. It's a similar world to Hoda'ya, which is thankfulness, but it's not quite the same. And his special character is being able to acknowledge the truth when he sees it and to own up to his actions. So uh, some of the commentators ask, what's the connection between this character trait of owning up and acknowledging the truth to his name, which is gratitude? They're similar words, but they're not the same. And the Malbim, who is a 19th century biblical commentator, explains that people have a nature of being ungrateful. People have a nature of saying, I did it all myself. I don't owe anybody anything. Nobody did anything for me. And then they're ungrateful. But to be grateful, you have to acknowledge the truth. You have to acknowledge that somebody did something for you. And so acknowledging other people and thankfulness actually come together. They're actually one and the same. And acknowledging God and being thankful to God is actually one and the same. So as the Jewish people go down to Egypt, God remembers their names and he articulates their names. And after the Jewish people come out of Egypt, God once again 
articulates their names and acknowledges their names. It's a way of showing that even in our hardest places, even when we have difficulty, when we feel enslaved, even there, God sees us and acknowledges us. And I think this is a challenge to every single one of us. Do we really see the people around us? Do we really notice them? When they talk to us, do we take a time to stop and listen and be empathetic and see their pain? Do we hear what people are really trying to say behind the message? Our children, our spouses, our loved ones, are we so absorbed and preoccupied with our daily routines to notice them, to see them, to see what's happening with them? How much time do we take to actually just create eye contact, to look into the eyes of the people who are closest to us? Sometimes eye contact and looking in somebody's eyes is actually all you need to see them and for them to be seen. And so this week I challenge you, challenge myself and you, to take the time to really look into the eyes of the people we love, the people we are closest to, uh, to say thank you and make eye contact with a cashier, a security guard, um, um, server, a bus driver, whoever it is, these people that serve us all the time who we don't acknowledge. Take the time to look at the person in the eyes and say thank you so much for your service. And also to take the time to acknowledge God every day. To, for example, when you go to bed, you can think of three, four, five good things that happened to you that day and say thank you. To notice how God orchestrates your life. The more you're aware of God's presence, the more he makes himself seen. So it's time to start seeing, seeing ourselves, seeing our close ones, seeing God, seeing each other. The more we see each other, the more we bring liberation into this world. And so with this, I'm going to sign off. This was Leia Roni with news from Torah. And I will see you here next week. Bye-bye. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leak City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. 
it gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Frank Carr from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 